0: Are you ready for God's word? If you are, let me hear it. Come on, give him praise. David uh, has been quite a beautiful sermon series. And I feel like the more we get into David's life, the slower we go. And I think the slower we go is because we're falling deeper and deeper in love with David and the lessons that he teaches us. We've said that he's second only to Jesus in the amount of. of uh, Space that the Bible dedicates to him, second only to jesus, and it 's because he represents the coming messiah, and in so many ways, the Lord not in so many ways he is the man that God selected, he anointed him as king, and he put him in that place and chronicles his life and and as you as you let his life unfold for you you can't help but realize its richness and its texture and its beauty and its its intricacies and all the facets of his life that speak to our lives it really does speak to our lives and i think that's why we're so we're so enamored with david today i want to share with you the blessing of the lord the blessing of the lord I'm going to read to you several verses, but first, let's start with our focal passage. And our focal passage is there in 1 Chronicles 13 and 2 Samuel 6. 1 Chronicles 13 and 2 Samuel 6. And so, it basically says the same thing, but but, but let's start. And David was afraid of God. Whoa, 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 what's going on here? David's afraid of God. Well, let's, get, let, let, let's uh, remind you of where we've been. David has conquered Jerusalem. He's setting up Jerusalem, which is almost in the middle of the kingdom, as a capital city for the nation of Israel. He's united the nation again. It had become fragmented after Saul died, but he's united the, the kingdom again. Jerusalem will be their capital and their place of worship, and he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He remembers, and those that were with him remember, that the Philistines, when they had taken the Ark, they transported it on a cart. And so he reasoned, if it's good for them, it should be good for us. Come on, how many of us have ever reasoned wrongly that way? That if it's good for the world, then it must be good for us. Come on, parents, how many of us know this lesson and we tell our children this very adamantly. I don't care if your friends all go and jump off a, you're not gonna do that. I don't care what little Johnny's doing in his home. I don't care what little Sally or Susie is doing in her home. I don't care what the world does. Come on now, we know the speech. Kids, you can give the speech. And you know, parents always get a little, a little uh, attitude when they say it. I don't care. But in this house, in my house. Well, David forgot. He forgot because he said, well, if the world's doing it, I might as well do it. And God showed him real quick. It doesn't work that way. So the oxen began to stumble. The ark began to tip, tip over. One of the priests, which happened to be his friend, Uzzah, Reached out, touched the ark, and he fell dead. Hence, David is afraid. David was afraid. He was afraid of God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been afraid? I can remember being a kid, and I was afraid of the dark growing up. One of the reasons I was afraid of the dark is because I always sensed a calling on my life. I didn't understand it as a a child of five years old, six years old. But I always sensed a calling on my life, and I guess the enemy did as well. And so I would feel demonic things happening. I would feel terrors and 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 these sorts of things. And my brothers, well, they weren't spiritually sensitive at all. They, could, they didn't feel a thing. I'm still praying for them. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They serve the Lord as well in their own way. And uh, But I'll tell you this. I know that the dark represents what? Limited vision. It represents a limited vision. A ability to see or or to know. It represents our fallen state. And yet God says, I want to what? I want to what? Transform you to children of light. I want to bring you out of darkness and into the light. And so I love the light. Amen. Anyone love the light? And so today I want to talk to you about The fear that you encounter in the darkness versus the fear that you encounter in the light. Because you will fear something. The question is what? And I'll tell you something else. Fear is a part of your life because it indicates your limitation. Your limitation. What do I mean by that? If you were all powerful, you would fear no one. If you were all knowing, you would fear no circumstance or no future. Right, if you were limitless, you would have nothing to fear, but because you are finite and very human, you will fear. Question is, will you fear in the light or will you feel fear in the darkness? In the darkness, you fear the world, in the darkness, you're pointed in the wrong direction. What do I mean by that? You fear God. Not in a reverential way, but in a way where, God, I don't want anything to do with you because you are big, bad, mean, and ugly. Therefore, I'd rather be here in the dark, fearing my death, fearing my future, fearing and trying desperately to cope in any way I know how. But the Christian knows something that the non-Christian doesn't. That God is not to be feared in that we separate from him. God is to be feared in that we run to him. Meaning, Lord, because I am limited, because I know that I am not all anything, I have limits and I'm a very finite being, I need you, God. And Lord, I would rather disappoint anyone else than you. I'd rather turn my back on you Anything and anyone but you, because you are important to me. This is what we're going to talk about here today. The foundation of Christianity and making the choice of building our house on a rock or building our house on sand. This is why God calls us foundation as a church. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to that fundamental question. And so today I'm going to ask you a series of four questions. These four questions will be represented here, but first let's read our focal passage. I just stopped that David was afraid, right? He was afraid of God that day and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God to me? Notice, he's leaving the fear in the light for fear in the darkness. He's backing up from God. Anytime you back up from God, you move towards darkness. So he's backing up from the Lord. He's saying, I cannot take the ark with me. He did not take the ark to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. Everything he had. Second Samuel says the same thing. So I won't read that to you. But then I want to drop down to 2 Samuel 12. Now David. Now King David was told. The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom. And everything he has. Because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. So what happens here? David gets afraid. Obed-Edom says, I'll take the ark. The ark goes to live with Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Now watch, the Bible says, if you go back to the, to the second, uh, I mean, first Chronicles or the previous verse, it says the Gittite. Now some have reason, some scholars say that he must have been a Philistine because a Gittite means he was from Gath and Gath was a Philistine city. We know this because last week we talked about Gath. That was one of the Philistine cities when the Philistines had captured the ark that they took the ark to. But there's another explanation. There is a city in Dan, the tribe of Dan, that is part of Israel, that is a Levitical city. It's a Levite city, meaning Levites are assigned to that city, and it's it's Gath of Ramon. And Gath of Ramon is more than likely where Obed-Edom was from. Now I find it interesting that the Bible says, I want you to know exactly which Obed-Edom I'm talking about. You know why? Because God is a very specific God. He doesn't just generally kind of sort of perhaps know what he's doing. He's very specific and very precise. And that should bring great comfort to you. He will never get your sins mixed up with somebody else or somebody else's sins with you. When he deals with you, he knows exactly who he's dealing with. Can I tell you something else? When he blesses you, he knows exactly who he's blessing. Of course, pastor, that just shouldn't set my heart at ease. It should set your heart at ease because so many of us struggle with the sin and the struggle of competition and comparison and scarcity, the mindset of scarcity where we think, oh, at God's table, there may not be enough to go around. Why? Because we grew up in a family where you had to fight at the table to get yours. Can I tell you, at God's table, you don't have to fight. There's enough for you and your blessings are yours. What? Say this, turn to your neighbor, say, what's for me is for me. What's for you is for you. So quit worrying. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to ask you to preach to your neighbor. Uh, I'll take care of that. But listen, what we're talking about here is this, that I can remember growing up in a poor household, and sometimes when you grow up in a poor household, you also grow up with a poor mindset. Uh Uh-oh. Can I tell you that in different regions, you have different struggles, and I believe in this region, you have a poor mindset. Struggle, demonic force over Bastrop County, I believe this. You see how much people compete with one another and compare with one another and the crab mentality that if they see you getting ahead, they wanna pull you down. Say, pastor, that's everywhere, but it's stronger in some places stronger in some places, and we won't celebrate one another. Why? Because we think there's not enough to go around. It reminds me of growing up in grandma's house. Grandma would, I'd get a snicker bar from doing something good at school, and I'd bring that snicker bar home, and grandma would confiscate it right away. And she would say, we're going to share it with all your cousins. And some of you are going, man, I had a good grandma. Don't feel sorry for me. She also taught me the word of God and how to share it. But like I said, sometimes when you grow up poor, you can get the wrong idea. And this is what I I never knew. There were peanuts and Snickers. (laughs) She'd cut this piece so small, and I'd get the first piece. You know, the end doesn't have many peanuts. And I'd eat that little bit. I think I tasted it. It's so small, and some of us grew up with such little bit that we think we got to fight, and we've got to compare, and we got to scratch and claw, but at God's table, can I tell you, receive that today, in God's table, because this happened to me just yesterday, and it reminded me, some regions struggle with certain things. I go into Starbucks, and I grab a stopper, because I had ordered four drinks, and I didn't want them to splash on my wife's Legs and, and and burn her. So I put a stop. I reached over the counter, put a stopper. She goes, "Do you realize those are the only ones we have for the whole month?" I said, "Excuse me." <laughs> no, I did. I did not. I did not. I did not. I said, "I'm I'm sorry." She goes, "They're not giving us anymore. They're not sending anymore." I go, "Is Starbucks going bankrupt? I'm going to go short the stock. I'm just going to short it." No, I'm just kidding. Some of y'all are saying, "What are you talking about?" Anyway. And, and, you know, I said, I'm sorry. She goes, she says, no, really the whole month. That's all we have. I don't know what we're going to do. So I suggest you hold on to that one. I said, I will. I will put it in the visor. You know what I mean? I mean, us guys, we don't have a problem with that. We'll use the one on the floorboard. Like, and then bring it to you ladies. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Let's keep going. <laughs> and I thought to myself, we need to fight against the spirit of scarcity. And this reminded me because God was saying, not just any Oobed Obed-Edom, I know who I blessed. Can I tell you, he knows who you are. And if he has a blessing for you, it'll get to you. It'll get to you. The Lord blessed his entire household. David heard about this. Can I read some, some verses about God's blessing? Genesis chapter one says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Can I tell you, I've read a lot of definitions. I I spent 30 minutes reading Christian definitions, non-Christian definitions. The best one I got was from God's word. Watch what it says. Fruitful and multiply. That means God wants to increase you. He wants to give you fruitfulness. That's blessing. So if he blesses your finances, what happens to your finances? It begins to increase. You get one fruit from that one fruit, you can plant an orchard. Isn't it true? If he blesses your children, what happens? If he blesses your peace, what happens? If he blesses your joy, what happens? Do you see what God is saying? Let me be your source of blessing. Let me be the one who gives you what you need. Listen to what Genesis 12 says. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Abraham and his descendants. He's saying, I'm going to bless you. and I'm going to make your name great. Come on. How many of you know who father Abraham was? How many of you know that father Abraham had many and many sons had Don't start doing the arms for those that, that weren't raised right. And, <laughs> and don't know the song. They're going to be like, y'all are weird. Especially when you start doing the arms and the neck and the legs. And, but the kids love it. Why? Because father Abraham is blessed and he's blessed because God said it. And every, every, knows who Abraham is. I don't care if you're Muslim, you know who Abraham is. Because God said his name should be blessed. Listen to what his verse three says. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. If you are a child of God and you have accepted Jesus Christ as, his, as your Lord and Savior, then you are a son of Abraham. You are a son of... Of Abraham. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You know what I find so interesting about this as he speaks this blessing over Israel during Moses and Aaron and Joshua's time? He's saying, I'm gonna give you things money cannot buy. Money cannot buy peace. Money cannot buy grace. It's a gift from God. And God says, that's my blessing. Listen to what Deuteronomy says. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. Watch this. This verse outlines our entire message today that I'm about to start. You see, you've almost like used up all your time. You're just, I kind of started. I kind of started. I'm just getting around to it. You got to get this. Notice what God is doing. I'm giving you a question. I'm giving you an opportunity to respond. How many of you know God is not a tyrant? He's a lover. And love requires a choice. Love requires a choice. I cannot force Melissa to love me. Do you realize there was a time there when she broke up with me? No, I broke up with her, and then I wanted her back, and it didn't quite work out the way I thought. I thought, I'll break up with her, and she'll, like, fall apart, and really, 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 um, I was dealing with insecurity. It's hard to admit at the time, but 50 years later or sometime later, I can tell. And so when I wanted her back, she said no. And, man, I wanted to shake her a little bit. But the more I came at her with that attitude, the less she wanted me. Because the truth is you can't make someone love you and God won't make you love him. He'll woo you. He'll say, I love you this much. I bankrupted heaven and my son hang on, hang, hung on a cross and hangs there in your mind. See his son hanging on a cross saying, I love you this much. This is how much I love you. But let's keep going. He says, you have a choice to be blessed or to be cursed. The curse will be because sin leads to that. But grace leads to me. That's what it is. Now watch. If you disobey the commands, you'll have the curse. If you obey, you'll have the blessing. Now watch this. He talks about the other gods that you have an opportunity to choose. What do you mean, other gods which you have not known? What does it mean to not know? It means you, you can't have a relationship with the demonic forces. You go, oh, I, I don't worship demonic forces. I, it's more about me. That is the demonic force behind that me. I, attitude, it's demonic. And so you say, okay, pastor, what what, what do you want me to know? I want you to know, I'm gonna drop down to the first question and that is, do you want to be blessed? We're gonna go real quickly because they're very obvious. But these questions are made to provoke thought in your heart. Do I really wanna be blessed? Anyone here really wanna be blessed? Just raise your hand. Say, "I, I do, I really wanna be blessed. Now, instead of doing it to me, I want you to look up and say, Lord, I, I do. I wanna be blessed. I have no, I'm not shy about that. I wanna be blessed. Now, watch. Obed Edom wanted to be blessed. How do we know this? Because as David was backing up, Obed Edom was stepping forward saying, I'll take the ark. I'll take the ark. Now, let me ask you a question How would you feel hosting the Lord? Anyone would anyone here would love to host the Lord? Raise your hand if you would love to host the Lord. Oh, don't lie. You have you stress out. You stress out hosting your neighbor. I mean, am I right? Make sure the house is clean. I don't want him to do that. see us living this way. You know, someone comes over unannounced. You're like, everybody hide, be quiet. Am I right? Can you imagine hosting the Lord, the King of Glory? Some of us would be like, yeah, no. I want you to think about it. See, having the ark in his home, that wasn't it. It was having the presence of God in his home that blessed him. You say, oh man, pastor, I would love to host the ark. But Indiana Jones hadn't found it yet. And found it yet? Shucks, I would be—I'd volunteer. Can I tell you? It's not about the ark; it's about the presence of God. In any moment, you could say, "Lord, come into my home, rule and reign, have full access." I- Any moment you can say, come into my home, come into my heart, come into my life, have full axes, rule and reign, move around, Lord, clean, whatever needs to be clean, deal with it, whatever needs to be dealt with. God, I'm not stepping back, I'm stepping toward, Lord, I want you, en toda mi casa, Dios. Ben, Ben, Ben. You say, why do you speak it in Spanish? Because I remember my father praying that way over our home. He was a, a, a minister, he is a minister, and he ministers mainly in Spanish. And I can remember, and I can remember now saying the same things in English, saying, Lord, come into my home, rule and reign. It's yours, God. I give you the keys. I give you full access, God. It belongs to you. Anyone hear what I'm saying? Anyone can do that. The question is, do you feel comfortable with God around? I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with you around, Lord. You might not appreciate the way I'm doing my finances. So you need to stay out of my study, because in my study is where I decide what I'm doing with my finances, with my business. I don't want you in my bedroom because there's some things that I hadn't quite cleaned up yet. I don't want you in the living room because that's where we watch... oh, what do you think I was going to say? That's where we watch the Cowboys and I uh, <laughs> i say some things I shouldn't say. Or that's where, but Lord, you can come into the kitchen and bless my refrigerator. You can bless my garage from outside, but not inside because inside is where I hang out and I have a few beers and then I start listening to some music and I... But you definitely need to bless the garage because I want a Harley and, and just, just hook it up, God. Hook it up, just, just bless it. From outside, though. you hear what I'm saying? Do you really want to be blessed? Because the Bible says in every good and perfect gift, it comes from above. Coming down from the Father of lights who does not change. And there is no shadow of turning with him. Now, I'm changing some of the words because that's the way I remember it. This is what, this is the verse that was used to, to inspire that great hymn, the doxology. How many of us know the doxology? Praise God from whom all things flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Wow. I'm just saying, Raquel. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. There's something beautiful about that great hymn that for generations has reminded us it's from his hand that every blessing flows. Every blessing flows. This is what we're talking about here. Obed-Edom understood it. Listen to what Deuteronomy says. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations. Notice he's saying, when you keep the commandments you connect with God's love because when you, when you connect with obeying God, you connect with him as a person and you love him. And when you love him, you enter into relationship. My question to you is, do you want to be blessed? You need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it comes from God. It comes from God. It's more important than your business. It's more important than the profession you choose. It's more important than anything. It comes from God. Come on, anyone here saying, Lord, I I want you. My next question is this. Are you willing to obey God? Are you willing to obey God's word? Because that's where the blessing comes from. Watch. The Bible says, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Who find great delight in his what? And when you do his commands... That you're in love with him. And that love is a relationship of his presence in your presence. Or you in his presence. Walking in light. And what happens in light, you get visibility. That's why David said, your commands, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I can see where I'm going. Come on. See, what I'm talking about is doing what we believe to be God's will in a way that violates God's word is wrong. Let me say that again. Doing what we believe to be God's will, but it violates his word is wrong. This is interesting because Christians are getting confused on this very elementary point. But I believe it. But I feel it. But I want it. Who cares? What do you mean? Aren't I the center of the universe? No. Now you say, oh, pastor, don't be so mean. No, no, this is what I'm talking about. Had a man come to me when I was preaching uh, uh, as a part of this church. You know, this is my only church. This is where we started. He came to me and he said, pastor, I'm, I guess you've heard. I said, I've heard some things. Well, I'm just going to come out and tell you. I've been cheating on on my wife for several years now. Cat's out of the bag. I'm not sorry. I'm not changing. And I believe it's God's will. Come on now. Come on now. Oh, that doesn't happen very often, it happens all the time. God's word will say, this is wrong, but we redefine it and say, but I feel, I believe, I want. And so that's not how you get blessed. Amen? Let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever thought you were right, but you were so wrong because you were dealing with an attitude issue? This happened to me in my heart. We were playing. We were small. Me and my brother, we had G.I. Joes. Everyone remember the G.I. Joes? Better than Barbies, promise you, all day long. They can blow stuff up and they got all these different accessories. And they had, I was so awesome. And I had this G.I. Joe. And you know how when you're brothers, you start trading and swapping, and pretty, pretty soon you forget. And so we had a dispute who the G.I. Joe belonged to me or Aaron. And Dad came and got involved just before we settled it the good old fashioned way. And he says, give me the G.I. Joe. He took it in his hands and he said, I have a question for you. Who does the G.I. Joe belong to? We both said, it's mine. And then he said, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy it. What do you think? I said, do it. (laughs) He said, Aaron, what do you think? Guess what Aaron said? Don't destroy it, Dad. Give it to Chris. Chris. Because at least if he has it, we'll both get to enjoy it. My dad said, son, go read your Bible. And he handed me the story of Solomon. And he said, I'm disappointed in you. This G.I. Joe's not yours, it's your brother's. How did you know that, Lord? How did he know that? Because God's word will guide you, amen? I learned a valuable lesson that day. And if you listen to God's commands, he'll teach you too. See, blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise discipline from the Almighty. God wants to bless us. He wants to bless us through his word. He wants to bless us through relationship. After all, this is what Jesus said. He said the whole Bible, all the law, all the instructions, all the do's and the don'ts can be summed up in one commandment. Love the Lord your God. It's right there. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Look at what the Lord is saying. He's saying, love God, love others, and ground yourself in his word. Which is about love to you. See, when you say, Lord, I'll host you. I want you in my home. You're not just saying, I want the gifts. You're saying, Lord, I want the giver. Some of us want the blessings instead of the blesser. It's the blesser that's important. Amen. How do I, how do I, how do I do that? You say, Lord, I want to enter into a love relationship with you. I step towards you, God, come into my home, rule and reign in my life. And people will notice. People will notice. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to anyone? people will notice. We're headed towards the home stretch. What do you choose? Do you want to be blessed? Are you willing to obey? Who do you choose? Watch this. This day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose now. Now choose. What will it be? Isn't that the question every human gets. God won't force you. He says, you know what I find? I find this very freeing, that God isn't a tyrant. Can I just can I just go off the reservation for a second and talk about something that, that may make you uncomfortable? Is, is that okay? Can I just get permission? Well, you gotta tell me first. Well, okay, I'll tell you. You know, The more progressive our government and the people out there get, the more they want to limit our freedom. You can't have this. You won't do this. You don't don't do that. You have to do this. And they do it in the name of progress. But also in the name of progress, they keep saying, we don't want the Ten Commandments. We don't want prayer in school. We don't want anything Christian and we want to take away your rights in the process of it? Can I tell you, we've seen how that story ends. Every totalitarian government in the last hundred years has killed millions. Not just millions, tens of millions. We know how that story ends. And here the king of all glory, the one who can judge righteously, the one who knows all and knows how to do it perfectly He won't even tell you exactly what you can and will not do and force you to do it. He won't do it. But yet our governments in the Western world keep trying to control their population and it's completely arrogant. No, we don't want God and we know best. You're too stupid to decide so you're going to do what we say. As we control the farmers, as we control the truckers, as we control everything about commerce and everything about you and your private life. We know how this ends. Wake up, Christians. Wake up. Wake up. Even God gives you a choice choose now but people are so dumb we need to choose for them including you and i we're both dumb but god is patient still god is patient blessed is the one who does not walk stand or sit blessed is the one who makes the right choice i get that it's over and over in god's word But this is my point. When you touch God's goodness like Obed-Edom did, then you'll want to make the right choice and you'll stay involved in the things of God because you want to be in God's presence. Do you realize that Chronicles 15 tells us that Obed-Edom, some say this might have been a different Obed-Edom. I tend to think it was the Obed-Edom. He, even after the ark was moved from his home, he wanted to be a gatekeeper. I just want to be in God's presence. You know what else the Bible tells us? 1521, not only was he a gatekeeper, I'll be a musician for the Lord. Come on, anybody want God's blessing? Are you willing to obey? Are you willing to choose? Yeah, I'll get involved in children's ministry. Well, not so fast, Pastor. Why are you backing up? Why are you backing up? I thought you wanted God's blessing. Come on, church. Step forward to the Lord. Say, I'll be a gatekeeper. I'll be a harpist. I'll do whatever it takes. Look, he's playing the harp now. He's playing the harp. Are you willing to obey? Deuteronomy 28, this is where we finish. Says this. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Man, say, Lord, I want you. I want you with all my heart. I choose you, Lord. I choose you. I want you, God. I want you. God says, I'll overtake you with blessings. You won't have to beg me. I'll overtake you with blessings. I'll chase you down with blessings. I'll swoop down and get involved in your life. So my last question as we finish, how is your relationship? With the Lord. Because at the end of the day, God's blessing comes from relationship. How is your relationship with Jesus Christ? You might say, Pastor, um, I'm struggling. Just get in his presence. So there's a Bible verse that I'm going to show you. And this will be the last one. It's about Moses. And the Bible says in the book of Exodus, Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far away from the camp. And he called it the tabernacle of meeting or the tent of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meetings, which was outside the camp. It was Moses' tent. So it was when Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at, the t- at, the, uh, at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses would enter the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked to Moses. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. That's what God wants. Question is, do you want it? God says, I want to overtake your home. I want to overtake your life. I want to come. I want to speak with you. I want to dwell within you. I want you to hear my voice. I want to guide you. Watch. And then he would talk to God, but then when he would return to the camp, watch this last verse. But his servant Joshua, who is Joshua? He's a young man. He did not depart. He would not return. He would stay in the presence of God. You know what I believe this is? See, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, it was hard to be in the presence of God. Joshua literally is a form of the word Yeshua, I'm giving you something I didn't give first service. This is a pointing to the new covenant. That in the new covenant, you could be in God's presence all the time. Because God's presence would be in you. Through Yeshua, his son. Is there someone here that says, Lord, I need you? My relationship with you has not been what it should be. I want to accept the Lord as my Savior. I want to put my trust and faith in Jesus Christ. I want to turn from my way. And I want him to be my Lord and King. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I see your hand right here. I see a hand right here. I see another hand. Back here, I see hands. Is there someone here that would say, Holy Spirit, I hear your voice loud and clear. For whatever reason, I've been backing off. But today, I, I want to cast off that hesitation, that fear. And I want to invite you into my presence, Lord. I want to invite you into my home. I want your blessings to overtake me, God. That's me. I want that, Lord. I want you to bless to a thousand generations my children. I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand between you and God. Say, that's me, Lord. I I want you. I'll be an Obed-Edom. I'll host you. But first, to those that are accepting Jesus Christ, would you just say these words? Lord Jesus, I put my trust and faith in you. You are the son of the living God. You conquered death when you rose from the grave and you paid for my sin on the cross. Wash me white as snow. Make me new. From this point on, I belong to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may walk with you all my days. I'm never gonna be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, would you take the next step? get baptized and plug into discipleship for your glory, Lord. Until you return, Lord, may we be continuously washed in your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.